0: Hello, my name is Kiana W. Mitchell, and I am a singer, songwriter, podcaster, and relationship coach. I am also a Christian who, for years, grew up in a religion that taught me to fear God instead of have a relationship with God. It wasn't until I lost my religion and developed a relationship with God that I was able to understand how much God really loved me. Each one of us have a story to tell about how we found God. Each one of us have taken a different path and a different journey to find God. So join me as we go on a journey through interviews and music to discover how people find God. I'm Can't tell me I'm Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Finding God Podcast. I am your host, Kiana W. Mitchell. This week on the podcast, we have an amazing guest. Her name is Joy Bartholomew, and Joy is a podcaster, and she has a podcast called the Divorce Confident Podcast, and it's a faith-based chat for women who are going through a divorce and their newly single life. Joy is an awesome guest, and she has a lot to share about how she found God. So without further ado, here is Joy's interview about how she found God. Hello, Joy. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing great. Thank you. How are you? I am great. And thank you so much for being a guest on the Finding God podcast. I am so excited to have you as a guest. You know,
1: I'm really appreciative that um, we're able to connect like this, um, I'm excited to be able to kind of talk through all of these topics. I'm excited to uh, be
0: here with you. Awesome! So we're gonna get right to it. Um, I'm gonna ask you the question I ask everybody on the podcast: What was your childhood like?
1: You know, I I have to say my childhood was really um, normal. <laughs> it was <laughs> like that. It was really that that idyllic um, suburban just childhood. It was, um, I was an only child. My parents were married, stayed married until my father died about 10 years ago. Uh, I went to a private school. I went to a Christian school. I got to do all of the fun things, music and scouts and sports and, you know, just all of kind of the fun things. And it was really good opportunity growing up. There was no drama. It was just everyday life. It was playing outside barefoot, climbing trees, you know, coming in when the lights came, when um, coming in, when the street lights came on and and running to soccer practices and different things. So I have to say it was just really normal. It was really nourishing. It was that, uh, you know, what kind of, I think what people look for and hope for when they're raising kids, that it's just that kind of picture perfect.
0: That's awesome. And I'm glad that it was like that. Cause sometimes it's not always that way. So the fact that you had that type of childhood is amazing. And
1: and you know what, looking back, uh, I think the same thing. I think it was just an amazing opportunity growing up and people don't always have that. And growing up in that suburbia, I didn't realize that not everybody had that same opportunity, that not everybody lived the same way. And it wasn't until I got much older that I went, wait a minute, this, this is, this is a, a small percentage of how right. people live and how they grow up. And we do this service project through church, Appalachia service project, where we take the kids, the teenagers into um, different parts of the Appalachian mountains and do home repairs for people maybe who don't have the funds to be able to do it. And it's good for my kids who kind of have this suburban life to be able to see part of that as well. So, Sometimes it's not what you've grown up in and what you know, but you have to be able to step out and find some of those opportunities to interact with people who are different. Yeah. And I think that that's a huge um, growth opportunity.
0: Absolutely. So, as a child, was that a part of your life? And did you guys go to church? Yes, no. How does that work out? So, I went to a
1: um, Baptist, Southern Baptist school. From kindergarten through 12th grade, we, we went to the same church that the school was associated with. I was in that building six days a week. Most times, um, when we switched churches a little later on, it's just funny, like the, the church drama that happens that you don't really know about as a kid, but now you see maybe as an adult, my parents switched churches because it just wasn't the same, um, feel for them. So right. they switched churches and we went someplace else and you could tell the vibe was just a little bit different. So I got baptized as an, in elementary school. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, the Southern Baptist, the place that I was, was very ritualistic, right? Like right. hear the 10 commandments and, you know, banging on pulpits and, you know, I'm sure not every sermon was like that. <laughs> But it was that um maybe i i you know I was younger, maybe I just didn't pay attention until there was banging on pulpits, mm-hmm. uh, but that's what I remember was that legalistic, that judgmental, that follow the rules kind of a thing, and I think it was a little bit of a scared straight program, you know for us when we were younger, like, oh, you can't do anything, you can't step outside of these boundaries, and it wasn't until much later that I kind of grew out of that very confined way of thinking
0: I totally get that because I kind of grew up in a church similar to that it was like this is right this is wrong if people aren't doing this then they're (laughs) wrong it was one of those things and so it wasn't until later that I began to see things differently like wait a minute that's not exactly true and I don't think it has to be that hard you know I totally get where you're coming from on that one because yeah it was the same thing
1: And, and it was just so confining. Like you just felt like you were going to step outside of the box. Like we had to wear dresses to school. And if they thought our dress was too short, if we knelt on the ground, Mm -hmm. if it was two inches off the ground, that was too short. And it was, it it was, you know, it was a talk to the parents. It was a talk Mm -hmm. to the, you know, whomever. I mean, we looked, our cheerleading outfits were hysterical. Like I thought we were Amish you know because those skirts were so long but um it was just a different way of thinking and interacting with faith and religion Mm -hmm. and interacting with god than where i am now
0: yeah no it's funny because i remember when i was growing up my mom wouldn't wear pants because she's like nope you can't wear pants it's against the bible and all kind of stuff and so in my 20s when i got my first pair of pants she literally is like kiana you know it is too close to the end of time for you to be doing this. I'm just like, mom, listen, the pair of pants. So then I had to explain to her, because by the time I was reading the Bible myself, I was like, listen, I said, in the Bible it talks about men and women's clothes. I'm like, but these are women's pants, okay? They have those now. <laughs> so I think that you will be okay if you wore them, and I'm pretty sure you're not going to go to hell if you have a pair of pants. So after I did that, then she started to wear some pants. I was like, it's okay. Like, I think you're going to be all right, <laughs> but I get it. That's how it was. Yeah. And, and even
1: now, like I look at things and I go, Oh, that's not good. And I have to remember going back, like God wants you to be in the, in the church, in the service, listening to the word. He's not so much caring about how you got there and how you got dressed to get there. Right. Right. Like he wants you to be a part of that community and part of that body of Christ. Like, so, uh, so what if they're wearing their um, football Jersey mm-hmm. with a pair of jeans into church? Like mm-hmm. I, I definitely Fight myself on that, you know, back and forth, uh you know, because it's not what I grew up with.
0: Yeah, and I've always said sometimes it's difficult if you grew up in a Christian environment, and like mm-hmm. you, I also went to a church school that was associated with my church. So when you grow up in those kind of situations, it's hard to stop yourself sometimes from being judgmental because that's all we were taught. Like we had to do this, had to do that. If people aren't doing this, and they're wrong. So when you grow up thinking like that, it's it is a challenge at times to be like, no, 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 stop. I had told myself sometimes, I can't stop it. Not a big deal. It's not the end of the world. I think you'll be fine. Just because that's the way I was raised and judgment was something that was just constantly pushed on me in a way that I didn't realize it until I got older. I was like, Oh yeah. So I was taught to be judgmental and maybe that's why sometimes I find myself doing that, but it's important to realize that, Hey, it's, you know, we were, brought up in a judgmental environment we couldn't you know it's just something that happened but the fact that we are older and we see things differently I think and we can catch ourselves I think that helps a lot and
1: that's huge being
0: able to catch yourself and be able Mm -hmm. to see
1: those differences and go oh but it's okay you know change isn't always bad and and there's a respect issue right like I'm Mm -hmm. not going to dress or do things in church that are disrespectful but people who don't grow up in that environment they don't you know, like, I I have to make sure that I have like that broader scope, you know, in in regards to all of that. But yeah, I totally understand. (laughs)
0: Yeah. So as you got into your teen years, how was your how did you view God as a teenager? Were you still close to God? Did you have in your life? Were you starting to rebel during your adolescence? Like what happened during those teenage years?
1: you know, those teenage years, I think for everybody are rough. I was just looking at something and they're like, you know, adulthood isn't so bad. It's those middle school years. Yeah. You know, the, those, those are years. so awful. Um, but you know, there was a point in time, like I played piano. I ended up playing piano for a church, my senior year of high school. And, um, I was, I felt destined. I'm, I'm going to marry a pastor at some point. Like that's just in my destiny. Like I play piano, I sing in the choir. I've gone to church all of this time, you know, like, that's just my route. And uh, it, it didn't go that way. And that's okay. completely fine. But it, I was growing up a little out because we switched churches to a Presbyterian church. And, you know, I can remember my mom going, but they don't, they don't have kind of the in the box thinking, they're light and love, and you know yeah. different things. So it brought in a whole other aspect. So I still did the youth group thing, but it was all very superficial. I'm che- I was being the good girl and I was checking the boxes. Yeah, but I wasn't building. And and I was like, yeah, I can say the Apostles' Creed and I know the Beatitudes and I know all of these verses and things. Like eighth grade, we had to memorize Proverbs thirty one. I mean, like that lady whoever she or the compilation of people she is like she's yeah, a rock star absolutely. right but we can't live up to that mm-hmm. and and so I was still living in that legalistic way
0: I get that no that is so true because I know that in for me high school was kind of like me starting to rebel in a quiet way because I knew that mm-hmm. I was still living in my mom's house so what I would do I started off small I've always loved music I've always mm-hmm. been annoyed with the restrictions of music that I had growing up. So I started listening to maybe Boyz II Men and Stevie Wonder. And, you know, in hindsight, that's really not a big deal. Listening to Kirk Franklin, like, come on. But to, back then, in my mm-hmm. mom's house, that was a huge deal because they had drums and it was, like, not Christian music, per se. So when I tell people about my rebellious days, they're just looking at mm-hmm. me, especially my kids. They're like, Mom, that was lame. Like, how was you rebellious <laughs> That doesn't count. They told me that all the time. I'm like, my rebellion stage, I was listening to boys and men in the house on my walk-in, because we had those back then, on my walk-in. Right. And, they're, and they're like, huh? I was like, yeah, that was really bad. I was like, I was really rebellious. My mom was sitting on the couch, and I had it in my headphone. I was just Stevie Wonder, and they're just like, what? I was like, yeah, yeah. And they're just like, mom, that sucks. They're like, that's not even a rebellious. stage. A- I they're like, I wouldn't even tell people about it. But you know, to me, that was like, rebelling or something That was rebellious because I wasn't, quote unquote, listening to church music. So I get that 100%. I honestly do. So for you, when did you begin to realize that it was about having a relationship with God? How did you, I guess I want to ask, how did you get closer to him after your teenage years? Went and stopped checking the boxes. When did you realize it was more than just doing the good girl kind of thing? So I must be a little bit of a slow learner because it took me quite a while. Like it
1: wasn't in my twenties. It wasn't in my thirties. I was still going to church. I was bringing my kids along and they're like, dresses and my son was in his button up shirt and his khakis you know we were doing the picture perfect thing Mm -hmm. um it really wasn't until I won't say crisis but until my divorce hit that I really wasn't available to step into that space where I was had to find some faith Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and stepping into it in a new way. And my church, I have to say was very good in regards to divorce issues. They have right. a divorce care program, so they weren't judgmental. Yes. This yes. the church I'm going to. And and I love that, but my own personal legalistic background, I couldn't walk into that building for a solid year. Like once the divorce and once, and I started going down a little bit of a self-sabotage rabbit hole, um, some things, bad choices. Like I felt like my rebellious stage came at 48, (laughs) not at 18. And, and, and so following in that line, I couldn't step into church and it wasn't until I really had to kind of sit down with making some changes, Mm -hmm. sit down with, with my depression and sit down with some things. I can remember um, my, my background is uh, I'm a police officer and I've been a police officer for 30 years. And I can remember driving my, and my ex-husband was a, a, was an officer as well. And I can remember driving down the road in my police car sobbing like, if people passed me they're like she's having a breakdown right like yeah. and she's in a police car this this can't be good so i'm having this absolute sobbing crying out why are you doing this type of a moment and i look over and there's this greek orthodox church next to me and i'm like it's a beautiful building but he's in there he's not here
0: right. it's
1: there it's not here and literally I'm sobbing all of a sudden I'm in the car by myself. And all of a sudden I hear I have something better. Wow. And I, the, the, the sob stop, I literally hiccup and I look around I'm going, there's nobody here. It's just me. Mm -hmm. And I heard the voice again, I have something better. And I said, wait a minute, this is, this is, crazy. This, this isn't how, what's going on. Like it took me a while to process it. And I have to say it, it, that was kind of the beginning of that healing journey of being able to go, this is a relationship. And that's where I started making the inroads of the prayer and reading and diving into relationships with other Christian women who mentor and just be that community and, and and be that, again, body of Christ. And that's where it really started. Um, so I have to say, it was just that voice that started the relationship.
0: That is awesome. And the things that you're like driving in your car, you're going through some things and God literally talked to you and was like, I have something better. And that was the thing that started you on your journey. That is awesome.
1: Yeah. And and it's just been such an amazing place from there. So then I got um, certified as a yoga teacher through yoga faith Mm -hmm. and it's a Christian based organization. You know, there's several of them out there who really bring scripture into the movement, make it like that moving meditation. So I found all of these new ways that were anti what I grew up with. Yeah. You know, very opposite that I've been able to find that connection and that way of building that relationship that very much certain um certain arms of christianity you know think oh that's buddhist or that's new age or that's whatever and it's 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 body movement it's how you put those two together how what the mindset the meditation that you use Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and and things that i never would have done before in so much as really kind of diving into so i love that it's opened these new doors it's opened these new opportunities ways of thinking and bringing things together in, in different building blocks.
0: I love that because I've heard the same thing. I've heard people like, no, you shouldn't do yoga because of this, that, and the other. And I'm like, in the Bible, it tells you you should meditate. It does say meditate on God's word. So like, I don't understand what the huge issue is with the whole meditation and things like that, because I do see that it can, it does have healing properties in it. It can make you feel better. That's a form of self-care. Like, so I think that's awesome that you're able to do that because so many times i think as christians we neglect self-care because we don't want to admit that we're feeling bad we're feeling Mm -hmm. depressed all we want to say is you know that's the devil he's gonna he's trying to get us and stuff and it's like i think i I think we give him too much credit because i don't think it's the devil all the time like we feel this way because of things that are happening in our lives and because we live in this world that is simple like Bad things happen to good people. So it's not always the devil. It could just be, I say, sometimes it could be a life choice. If it's not a life choice, it could just be something that happens because things aren't always going to go our way. And so I think with us always blaming the devil, and like, we need to pray more. We need to stop these attacks. I'm just like, I don't think that's it. Like, I just think that things happen to us. We can go to God for them. But I don't think the devil is always 100% trying to spend all his time trying to get to us. You know, I know it's easy to think sometimes because of Job and what happened to him, but Mm -hmm. I don't remember in the Bible where it said, where it had, that was one experience that it talked about, but I honestly don't recall in the Bible where it talks about everybody being attacked by the devil, (laughs) So I just think sometimes we give him too much credit and so we don't do the self-care because we just think it's the attack of the enemy and we should be praying about it. When, of course, pray about everything, but you can meditate, you can exercise, you can do yoga, like you can do other things for self-care and maintenance that could also help your mental well-being and everything. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. And
1: I think self-care, you know, that whole free self-care isn't selfish. And I think that that's really, you know, the the truth of it. Right. We can't always give, 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 right. right? Like we have to take, depending on our personalities, we have to be able to sit back and take in and replenish and restore. And if it's through a, a, a time with girlfriends, if it's through a time with um, quiet time in your morning practice, through exercise, if it, Heck, if it's a massage, if it's a manicure and that's your self-care where you feel that you're getting that quality or that luxury time or whatever it is for you, then that's perfectly fine. Um, you can't use that as an excuse just to to spend money and to get away and those types of things. But I think that there is that true replenishing that can come through and that nourishment that can come through in that that personal time. Yeah. And we, as women at least, make so many excuses. Oh, no, no, no. My family needs me. My, this needs me. I need to run errands. I need to cook dinner. I need to clean the house. I need to do need, 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 but you haven't fulfilled your own needs.
0: Exactly. And I always say, if you haven't fulfilled your needs, you can't help anybody else because you're just as empty as they are. So exactly. Yes. Yeah. You're running on empty. And, and I think society in general,
1: and I think that's what COVID has shown us is that we were running on empty. Yeah. And I think COVID was a little bit of a reset for that. How many people just dialed everything back? Yeah. Had those family dinners, had movie nights, game nights, Mm -hmm. sat around a fire pit, sat around and just chatted that they hadn't done in years. So I think that even though that, you know, that was a a potentially awful time to go through, I think that it did have a positive impact on so many people.
0: I agree. I totally do because I know for me, How can I put it? It's like, I felt bad for what was going on because I knew people were dying and people were hurting. And, you know, as as a world family, like nobody knew what was really going on. So, I mean, that was a scary time. But during that time, I did spend more time with my kids. They didn't have to go to school. My husband didn't really have to work as much. I was able to focus on things that I like to do because people were giving out free courses, free this, free that. So, I mean, it, for me, it was a nice, relaxing time where I had a chance to, like you said, dial back, relax, figure some things out for me. And it helped me spiritually, I believe, because mm-hmm. during that time, I wouldn't, you know, church was off the table. So since I wasn't going to church as much, I had time to kind of, think and read for myself because I, when you were talking about earlier how you were going to church for your kids but you kind of wasn't feeling it that's kind of how I have been feeling for years but I was just like well this is what I have to do and you know I have to do this and I have to do that but when I didn't have to go to church I tell everyone I had a chance to like step back and then just get to know God for myself you know I got a chance to question all the things I need to question read everything I need to read and I found out that what I was pretty much taught is not exactly how it works out, you know, God is bigger mm-hmm. than those rules and those regulations and you don't have to stay in a box or anything like that. And I tell everyone just because we don't just because I, I don't really do religion or anything doesn't mean that I go and do all kind of stuff because it's my whole thing is like if we love God, then we're going to do things to please him but we're not going to do it because of rules. We're not going to do it because of religion or because we're scared of going to hell. We're going to do it because we genuinely love God. And for me, I think loving him, has it has a better impact than fearing him because you do things if you're afraid. But if you do things because you actually love somebody, I just think it means a lot more. And it's easier to do because you love someone, someone rather than just doing it. Well, I got to do this, have to do this or else bad things can happen. So that was a time for me but I have to say I kind of grew spiritually. And even now I feel, you know, good. God and I have a good relationship. I learn new things every single day, (laughs) you know, it's just amazing. So yeah, I totally understand It's like the pandemic Mm -hmm. was a bad thing, but for me, it also has some good implications as well.
1: Yeah. And like you were saying, you take those obligations off and you start, you start learning because you want to learn. You start, you start, interacting you start worshiping you start growing in that way it's so authentic and genuine it's not forced and and it has that freedom to it
0: yeah absolutely and it's like you're no longer afraid of oh if I mess up I'm gonna go to hell or not knowing what would happen to you because it's like you already know you just having a relationship with God it's easy it's carefree mm-hmm. it's not stressful at all and I just found it he's so freeing for me. Right. And and I found that through my divorce.
1: Like, you know, I, I kept thinking I'm going to be judged because of this. This this isn't what God's intention was with marriage was to have this divorce. But He loved me more than He loves my marriage. Yeah,
0: exactly. Right. Yes.
1: And so I had to be able to separate that and I had to be able to step into that because that was part of it that was playing inside. And that was where I really had to find that reconciliation Mm -hmm. between God and religion and and life circumstances to be able to meld those together and be able to feel um, comfortable and accepting and moving forward in a way that I was like, I'm not going to be judged for this. He loves me no matter what Mm -hmm. he knew my divorce was going to happen before I even was born like he knew these things and he loved me still he loves me through them and you know that's not going to change
0: yeah exactly and i know like i'm a relationship coach as well and i know as much as we want to say Mm -hmm. marriages can't work out but you know they can but we also have to be realistic like they don't always work and when they don't work we can't sit here and blame individuals because life happens things happen and sometimes Mm -hmm. you just cannot fix certain situations so I'm glad you were able to realize that and you know I know people especially in the Christian faith believe that you get married Mm -hmm. you stay married forever but I think that's kind of where it's like that's not really how that works out and it's like no one wants a divorce it's not people are running like oh let me hurry up and do this most people try and try and try before that actually occurs so I just think that thinking that every single marriage is going to work out, and if it doesn't, then something's wrong with the person. I just think that thinking is not true. I don't think it's a factual reality at all because, you know, things happen. I think that in the church, we have to expect that we can't make, we can't force people to live up to a standard that's impossible to keep. You know, some things can be fixed, but some things just can't. And I don't, I think it's impossible to try to tell everyone every single marriage is going to last forever and ever.
1: Exactly. And and I know so many people who've stayed longer than they should have, uh-huh. you know, it, in, in toxic situations, right. you know, I know that word is overused, but in toxic situations, they might not reach abuse, but they're, you know, there's that, there's that sliding scale of a negativity in a marriage and it doesn't have to be abusive to be bad. It can exactly. still be, it, you know, it still can be Um, a bad relationship. And yeah, if you can fix it, if you can work on it, if you can go to therapy, but both parties need to be able to step up and make that commitment. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you have one side that will and one side that won't, and and it's not going to get reconciled because both of those parties aren't putting in the time and energy that needs to happen. Mm -hmm. And I don't want people to think that if you end up getting divorced for a myriad of reasons, that that you're a bad person, that you're not loved, that you can't um, continue to walk in a Christian faith, that you can't continue to come to church and have that relationship with God. So I just, uh, I want people to know that in my realm of, of people that I, I talk to and I deal with, I really want them to know that you're loved and that is bigger than those circumstances.
0: Exactly. Yes. So if there was someone out there who was actively looking for God, what advice would you give them?
1: You know, it's that it's that quiet time. I for me, I really found it was in, in quiet time and reflection, um, in, in journaling in nature, but it was in that alone time that I was able to find that connection. I can't find that connection with the dog barking, the doorbell ringing, the kids like swirling through my head while I'm making dinner for me, I needed that that specific space. So if that's your morning routine, if that's your evening walk, if that's your meditation, if that's your exercise, whatever it is, finding that space where you can be alone to interact and to have that prayer and conversation, I think is huge. I love
0: that. That is so true. Just finding time is still with God. All right. Well, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. I truly enjoyed our conversation and it was awesome to have you. Thank you so much. Wow. What an amazing interview. I especially love it when Joy talks about how it's in the quiet times that you're able to find that connection with God. And I find that to be so true because there are so many times when I am busy or even if I get up early in the morning to have devotion and my mind is racing, it is hard for me to connect with God. It's hard for me to think or pray or even talk to him because my mind is going in so many directions. And so I love it when she says how it's important for us to find that time, find that quiet time with God, whether it's driving in your car, getting up early, um, taking a walk, whatever it is, just find that quiet time and that space with God where you can connect and talk to him so that you can develop a relationship with God. And let me tell you, sometimes it can happen organically, but then a lot of times we need to plan to spend time with God. So you know how you just plan to go out on a date with your significant other, or plan to do things with your kids. Well, you know, I kind of think we're in a relationship with God, it's important to plan time to spend with Him. And be like, God, okay, this is the time I'm gonna spend with you. Let's talk, let's connect. And find that quiet time and that quiet place where you can spend time with God and connect with God. So if you are having a hard time spending time with God and talking to Him and just finding that time, I would encourage you to think of it as a date, an appointment, something that's important, and set aside that time to spend with God. Now, our artist of the week is DeWanga George, and we are going to listen to his single, All My Heart. So here is the single, All My Heart, from our artist of the week, DeWanga George.
2: True from day to day, day the sorrow that makes me feel there's no way. The no circumstances A of everyday, where would yeah. I be if not for you? Your, not for your, your warm, embrace warm embrace, to see your face, see your, face. your marvelous all my heart. All my heart, all my, heart, all my heart. so After all you have done for I've me. done for me. your kindness, tender love and mercy. just to think about his is goodness to me. Where would I be? With all my heart, all my heart, my, all my, all my, all my love. Pain I'm going through from day to day. the sorrow that makes me feel there's no way. There's no way. of every day. Where we're what? In grace. Grace.
0: Before I end the podcast, I would like to thank you so much for being here with me today and for listening to another inspirational story about how people find God. If you love the podcast as much as I love spending time with you, I encourage you to share this week's episode with a friend or family member and to make sure that you like and follow the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. I will also love it if you would leave a review for the podcast so that you can let me know how much you are enjoying the show. If you would like to get in contact with Joy, Dewanga, or myself, all of our contact information can be found in the show notes and all you have to do is click on the links below and you will definitely be able to get in contact with us if you would like to be a guest of the podcast click on the email address in the show notes and let me know that you would like to be a guest and i will make sure that i get in contact with you and schedule a day and time for you to record an interview if you would like to submit music to the podcast click on the email address in the show notes and send me an email letting me know that you would like to submit a song for the show. In this email, send me a picture, a short bio, and an mp3 of the song that you would like to submit. Well, I think that's all for down. So until next week, have an amazing day and a wonderful weekend, bye-bye.